Welcome to the Focus B Show, where Katie Stoddard, high performance coach, interviews experts around the world in performance and mindfulness. Now, here's your host, Katie. Welcome to another episode of the Focus Bee Show, and I'm really excited to be here today with Paul Green. Paul is the founder of the Cockpit Method. He is a former pilot who now works as a well-being coach. Thank you so much for being on the show today, Paul. My pleasure, Katie. Thank you for having me. It's such an interesting transition going from flying in the airs to helping people with their well-being. Could you share with us a bit what your journey was like? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I've been flying for the last 10 years, uh, well, working in the aviation industry for for 10 years, flying for the last five years. And in March uh, 2020, lost my job due to COVID. So the airline I was working for was one of the kind of first casualties. And I just realised that the the kind of skills I'd learned in the cockpit were kind of too valuable to to waste, really. You know, there's, there's so much there. Um, so I was doing some volunteering for the NHS at the start of the COVID pandemic and just talking to them about stress and fatigue management and kind of general well-being, resilience. And uh, it was them that suggested it. They said, you know, I think there's something in this, there's something really useful. So I kind of, you know, being a new business owner who I think was quite gutsy, um, <laughs> went and pitched my idea to the NHS and they loved it. So I started working with the NHS quite early on. And I guess, yeah, the rest is history. Amazing. Like you said, it was quite gutsy to start your own business in the midst of a pandemic. What's the one thing you wish you'd known before becoming a business owner? Oh, good question. I think it would be that it, it's not as easy as you think. You know, I, I, I was that person who said, you know, I've got this, I've got this great experience. I've got this great knowledge. Everybody's going to want it. All I need to do is just shout about it. And actually nobody wants it. <laughs> you know, nobody <laughs> wants what you've got. Um, you've got to prove it to people. You know, you've got to prove to them that you are who you say you are and what you've got is valuable. So, yeah, I wish I would have known that. I probably would have saved a couple of months of heartache thinking it was never going to work. <laughs> What would you have done differently then had you known that? Had you known that it's not as easy as you thought and it's not just a matter of experience, what would you have done differently? Um, I think I would just would have focused a bit more on making sure that what I was teaching actually converted, that it that it really worked in, in the setting. I mean, I knew that it would work. Like I, I knew there were crossovers and I knew from talking to friends who work in business and and um health and social care that, that it was going to work but the audience didn't know that it was going to work you know social proof is so important and I think that was the bit I was missing so I probably would have yeah I rather than just kind of shouting about it and trying to get everybody to pay for my services straight away I maybe would have done a bit more for free early on get it tried and tested and then push it to market <laughs> nice really nice thank you for sharing your experience with this to come back to your sort of area of specialty around well-being and stress management can you tell us a few tools, tips and tricks to the audience that's listening. So how, for example, can someone deal with stress effectively in a few right. sentences? <laughs> yeah. So my whole philosophy to, to well-being in general comes from the saying, fit your own oxygen mask before you help somebody else uh, from the aviation industry. Um, and it's so, so crucial for pilots. So one of the things we do is in any emergency situation in the commercial cockpit, um, you have to protect yourself. So 
we have a saying sit on your hands and it is it is literally as simple as sitting on your hands you know the fight or flight response is going to trigger when you end up in a stressful situation your body's going to have adrenaline surging through it and you can imagine as a pilot kind of reaching out and pressing the wrong thing is going to be catastrophic um, but it is in real life as well i don't think we really realize the the problems you can cause by doing the wrong thing so there's always time you've always got time to just relax so that's my my biggest tip for anybody in a stressful situation sit on your hands let the moment pass um and that's where my my seven minute well-being strategy comes in which i'm sure we'll probably talk about a bit more um yeah just just let the moment pass and, and take control of it yourself i love what you're saying about let the moment pass and also you all have always have time i'm sure that in some emergency situations it's very hard to think that way but taking those extra seconds to move away from the fight and flight is so 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 valuable so please share with us your seven minute well-being strategy that sounds really interesting too sure so my seven minute well-being strategy is probably one of the easiest strategies out there um basically you can do anything for seven minutes but as long as you do it mindfully it's going to have a massive impact on the situation that you are in so it goes back to this idea of sitting on your hands just taking a few minutes to to distance yourself from what you think is going on so that you can actually connect with the situation properly so in a real kind of stressful situation at home the kind of things that we we deal with you know if you take yourself away and mindfully read a book you know just something so simple as mindfully read a book switch off from everything else turn your phone off turn music off no outside distractions just sit and be present with that book for seven minutes um the, the 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 things you get from it are unbelievable you know you just let your mind wander and then you come back to the situation you were in completely fresh um and you genuinely genuinely can do anything for seven minutes i did set out um a call on my one of my social medias recently where I, I basically challenged everybody to find something that you couldn't do for seven minutes and I didn't get anything like I had loads of people suggesting things and I coached them through how to do it um, but even something simple as making a cup of tea you know make a cup of tea mindfully think about the water you know the kettle the electricity where it's all come from just put yourself in that moment be present and yeah it just just helps relieve any stress or anxiety that you've got I love this because it's a really easy way to have mindful breaks. And I'm always talking about the importance of having breaks when you're feeling overwhelmed or very busy or you have a lot of work on your plate, how important it is to take breaks. And this is such a wonderful example because you can have those seven minute breaks where you're fully mindful on making a cup of tea, on reading a book, on going for a walk. I think that's a really nice implementation. And obviously, well-being and productivity are directly related this is something that maybe we can go into a bit deeper because you obviously worked extremely long hours in stressful circumstances as a pilot. How do you feel the well-being impacts our performance? It's a really interesting one, actually, as a pilot, because we are so well protected um, through agreements with the authorities and um, like even wider government bodies that as a pilot, it's really difficult to end up in a situation where you are not at peak performance. Um, so we have things like scheduling agreements, so you can only work a certain number of hours in a day. Um, no matter where you end up in the world, once your hours are up, you have to stop and physically take yourself to a hotel. Um, we have like rest breaks during the day that you're enforced to take. The, the big thing for me with, with how it works with aviation and what, what I try to, to get across to other people is that pilots are never told what to do. 
and I think this is this is part of the the key where I think well-being sometimes doesn't work for people. We are given the tools, so we do extensive human performance training that tells you about how your body works, how it's going to react in certain situations. Nobody ever actually tells you what to do. You know, there are certain restrictions, like I said, on, on how much you can work, but nobody, for example, is going to tell you to sleep for eight hours every night because it's so subjective. You know, I could sleep for eight hours a night and then have an accident and be tired. Well, whose fault is that? It's my fault because I didn't come to work well rested. So what they do is they teach us how to calculate sleep, you know, how to know what good sleep hygiene is, how to know whether you're well rested, how to come to work fully recharged. And the other great thing with pilots is there is never, um, there's never a problem with saying I'm not fit to fly. So I could phone my employer and say, I'm not fit to fly today. And no questions would be asked. I would be taken off of my duty and I wouldn't fly. Um, and I think that's, that's a massive thing. Cause you know, when you've got lives on the line, you have to be ready and you know yourself whether you're fit or not. That is so beautiful. I didn't actually know that about the world of aviation. I think that's really nice and reassuring in some ways too, and the idea of flying. But I'm thinking there should be this authorization for ourselves. I'm not fit to work today on the odd day. If it's once a month, we should be allowed to give ourselves this permission, especially as business owners, entrepreneurs, we are our own CEOs. So we should be able to also call that. I love this. I think this is a really oh, sort of magical element. I'm going to go a bit more into what you were saying about sort of taking personal responsibility in the end for your own well-being and if you've had enough sleep. Did everyone follow this? Were people very conscious and responsible in terms of prioritizing their well-being and their sleep and their nutrition and exercise? Is it something that's sort of ingrained as you go through the training and work? Yes and no. Um, I think like any job, you're always going to get people who, who push it. Um, there are certain things that are a definite no for pilots, so alcohol is a definite no. You know, you wouldn't get anybody drinking before duty, obviously, and people take that really seriously. Um, some of the stuff like nutrition, maybe not so much, but, you know, the airlines that I've worked for give us crew food. Um, so that's the airline kind of taking control of it. You know, they provide you the food. Um, it's up to you whether you eat it or not. Obviously, they can't force you to do that, but they're kind of doing their bit to try and help you as much as possible. And then things like water, you know, there's there's a constant supply of water. So that you're you're always kind of you know doing what you can. If we're ever staying in hotels, they try to make sure there's a gym available, so that you've just got access to those kind of things. Um, and again, that comes from the authorities. So the pilots' union that I used to be a member of um, have scheduling agreements that they work out with airlines, so that they're the ones really leading this to make sure that everybody is 100% all the time. Um, and of course, it's it's never going to be perfect. You know, it's never going to be perfect in any industry, but they certainly. I think they, they lead by example and they're, they're one of the industry leaders for, for looking after staff. That's really nice. It sounds like a perfect balance between support and actually own responsibility. So sort of balancing both aspects. One thing that strikes me as particularly challenging is decision-making. And in this case, it's both decision-making in the work environment, but also decision-making how long are you going to sleep? For example, that's a decision before you go. So are there any tools that you've learned through your experience as a pilot that maybe you apply now in terms of decision-making? Yeah, so there's, there's two key things to decision-making actually for a pilot. So we we have a really kind of set routine for decision-making in the cockpit and we would use it for any situation. So it could be life or death. 
um, or it could just be normal kind of routine, you know, deciding which runway we're going to use. Um, but there's two key elements to it. The first one is actually diagnosing the situation. So we are so quick to just jump into saying that's the problem. Like you have to diagnose it properly um, and making sure that you get to the root cause of a problem. So, you know, I, I, I had a bad back for quite a long time when I was flying just from being sat in the, in the chair all the time. And, you know, I, I went to see so many different people about it, but all I was doing was treating kind of the external bits. But until I get myself out of that chair or physically fix, you know, that environment that I'm in, it's never going to get any better. There's a really interesting story actually from when I very, when I was very first doing my pilot training and um, we were in a simulator so not a real airplane before I scare you. <laughs> um, and they, they did this on purpose to kind of make you do the wrong thing. But they, they gave us a problem with one of the engines. Um, and we dealt with the problem, shut the engine down, continued flying. And a bit later on, about another 10 minutes into the flight, the second engine shut down. So we actually had no engines running. And what had actually happened is we had a fuel leak. So we'd actually just been dropping fuel everywhere whilst we were flying. But we didn't look deep. You know, we didn't go deep into the problem. We just said, oh, the engine's not working. Shut the engine down. Superficially, that's fixed it. You know, we've fixed the surface issue, but we haven't kind of gone deep. And then the other element of the decision-making process for us is, is review. And again, we skip that in everything else that we do in, in life. But as, as pilots, it's driven into us, review. So the very last thing you do is go back to the problem. What was the problem? Did we correctly diagnose it? And have we fixed it? And as a result of fixing the problem, have we now caused another problem? You know, we call it dynamic decision making because as soon as you start fixing a problem, it's moved along. You know, the problem could have got worse. It could have got better. But you've got to have that constant dialogue as to whether what you're doing is working. So, yeah, review is probably more important than anything else in decision making. So great, so great. Go to the root of the problem, not just the, the surface. And I feel that we po both probably do this in our jobs as coaches. It's always go to the root of the problem. If you just superficially fix someone's well-being for two weeks, that's not sustainable. And then review. I'm also always drilling this in. So I love seeing all these parallels. I'm always talking about review. Do your weekly review because whatever you're working on, whether it's your well-being, your productivity, a problem on the uh, where you're flying, it's so important to check what have you learned from this if it's impacting anything else the dynamic and especially with something technical but in general i feel that the reviewing is so 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 important yeah it's so nice to see the the parallels there are between uh, your job before and what you're doing now i'm wondering since you've been on this journey now for a year what parallels have you seen in terms of before being a pilot and now being an entrepreneur, having your own business, being a coach? Oh, I think they're, they're, they're everywhere. <laughs> There's so many crossovers. The more I talk to people, the more you kind of see these crossovers. Um, yeah, I mean, I think just every single industry, I think the, the basics are always the same, aren't they? Like, you know, in terms of well-being, the basics are always the same. Look after yourself. Look after yourself first. Find the strategies that work for you. You know, there's there's no there's no point doing something that doesn't make you happy because you're never going to do it. You know, make it stick. Um, and I would always say smaller smaller is always better. Um, and that's exactly kind of what it's like with with flying. You know, I remember somebody saying to me earlier on with aviation, like, if you don't like the airline you're flying for, then don't do it. Like, leave. You know, at the time there was loads of flying jobs and obviously it's very different now, but 
you can go anywhere, you know, as a qualified pilot, you can fly anywhere, you can fly anywhere in the world. So don't, don't let the money kind of be the thing that dictates. Don't always go for kind of the shiny object. Let other things kind of persuade you. Happiness always has to come first. So, yeah, I think that's, that's probably the biggest crossover. And, you know, like you said, us as coaches, I have to remind myself to do this all the time because, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm always the one going for the new shiny object. You know, this is going to be really fun and remind myself, that actually, <laughs> that's maybe not how it works. Yes, the temptation to go for shiny objects is huge. <laughs> that's so interesting. And which do you think is more challenging then? Would you say it's more challenging to be a pilot or an entrepreneur? Oh, that's a good question. I, do you know, I think being an entrepreneur is, is a lot, lot harder. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you'd say this. <laughs> the thing is, with the, with the, in aviation, you know, I'd, when I very first started doing this, I wanted to, to teach people proper decision making. And, you know, in the cockpit, we always say if there's doubt, there's no doubt. So if you, if you have the slightest doubt in your head, then you don't do it. You know, and you can imagine if, if you know, to use an aviation analogy, if your business is the aeroplane and you're sat on the end of the runway trying to decide whether you're going to actually go or not. You know, we would need to know whether the weather's going to be perfect, whether we've got enough fuel. We would know everything about that flight. Whereas when do we ever know exactly what's going to happen in our business? You know, we never know what the journey is going to be ahead of us. And if that was a flight, we would never take off. <laughs> you know, we would never go into the unknown. We just, we just wouldn't, you know, there's kind of so much we do as entrepreneurs kind of on the fly you know, where we're just making decisions as we're going and they're very well thought out decisions. But yeah, you certainly wouldn't, you certainly wouldn't do that as a pilot. <laughs> I'm just going to think of this every day. What I do is harder than flying a plane. <laughs> It'll make me feel so empowered. I love this because essentially what you're saying is the uncertainty of having your own business is greater than the uncertainty that you had when you were flying a plane. That's pretty strong as an analogy. Yeah, absolutely. And we are so well trained as pilots to deal with everything. You know, like if I think myself, um, there, there are so many things I could think that could happen in my business tomorrow and I would have no idea how to deal with it. But there is nothing that can happen in an aeroplane that I haven't been trained to deal with. You know, as an entrepreneur, if you spend, you know, think of how long it could take you to train for every single eventuality, it, you'd never get started. You know, whereas as a pilot, it takes, you know, two years to do the initial training. And then uh, it took me another six months to do the airline training. And I knew, well, I say I knew everything. Um, you know, I knew everything I needed to know in order to be able to operate safely. Um, yeah, you just don't have that in, in business. Yes, I feel that maybe the most essential skill then in business is the ability to be flexible and to adapt with each situation. I think there's one key skill that probably needs to be learned is that every time something goes wrong or doesn't go how you thought it would or something new happens, then this ability to respond. And maybe in some ways, having had before a job where everything was so structured and clear can make it then harder because you've learned that for everything, there's a protocol, there's a methodology. And then suddenly you're in situations where you totally have to adapt and change and and realign as you go along. So in some, some ways, I think it probably makes it harder to have had such a thorough training and something that was yeah different yeah I think you're right but the, the methodology is is still there and I think the methodology is kind of what what is key that you know like the, the decision making process I still use that every day you know those fundamentals of diagnose the problem you know fix the root cause and go back and make sure if it worked you know that that works in any situation so I, I think that's always yeah that that's kind of my 
take away that maybe, maybe the training wasn't wasted. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a way of applying the methodology and structure you had before to new circumstances and new ways of doing. doing. So I feel that in some ways you can tie them together. And so yeah. you, do you feel that it's hard for you not to be flying anymore? Do you miss it? I do, yeah. I think it's it's really difficult right now, obviously, because seeing what's happening to the industry and seeing what's happening to so many of my friends is really tough. Um, I I miss I miss flying. I miss flying every day. You know, you see like a beautiful day like today, and you think, oh, I could be could be up there. But then the same side of it, you know, the the work life balance wasn't the best. You know, I used to commute um, ninety minutes in each direction to get to the airport and fly a ten hour shift. So. And more often than not, I would work during school holidays um, and I would work on weekends. So, you know, I'm married and I've got two children. So I didn't spend so much time with my with my kids as I maybe would have wanted to, um, especially in kind of the early years. So it's a really kind of, it's like a double-edged sword. Like I miss the actual thing of flying, but I don't miss the lifestyle. That's really nice. I, I can totally understand in some ways because I used to work at sea as an engineer. So we'd be a month at sea and a month on land and a month at sea. And sometimes I miss being on the vessels and I love being at sea and on boats, but I don't miss the lifestyle. So can you tell us a bit more why you feel the work-life balance is important and how that actually contributes also to well-being? Um, yeah, I think for me, work-life balance is everything. You know, I don't think you can ever find fulfillment, 100% fulfillment in your job. Um, you can absolutely love it and you can love turning up every day. But I, for me personally, there has to be something else. You know, I always wanted to have a family. Um, I always wanted to live in a nice house and, and just do nice things. You know, it doesn't have to necessarily be expensive, but I think that downtime is so important. Um, if I was flying seven days a week, I would hate it. You know, I would absolutely, I just would hate every minute of it. Similarly, you know, as many people have found out being at home seven days a week, they hate it because I think you've got, you've got to have that balance. You know, life is a balancing act. And if you don't have both things, you know, I, I talk a lot in my, in the, the work that I do about personal and professional well-being and, and breaking the two of them down before you can bring them together. Um, Cause it's really easy for everybody to say, I want to have a work-life balance, but what is, what does that mean? Like what, what is good well-being at work and what is good well-being at home when i very first started flying i was away the airline i was working for we used to spend like weeks away at a time so i would be away five days a week um, back at home for two and i i missed so much stuff like i missed like birthday parties weddings uh, best friends getting engaged i just missed absolutely loads and i remember if somebody would have said to me at the time how's your well-being my personal well-being was rubbish <clears throat> but my professional well-being was amazing because i was flying in some of the most incredible places in the world staying in you know five-star hotels i didn't have to cook i didn't have to clean so i didn't have a work-life balance but i would have said my well-being was pretty good like you know i was pretty satisfied pretty satisfied and pretty contented so yeah, that I think it's really important to to know what those two things are in order to be able to get the balance right. That's really nice. And what do you feel that work life balance looks like for you? So what would be your I ideal definition of work life balance? Oh, do you know? I think I'm still finding it. Um, I think for for me right now, it's from the the work side. It's it's feeling fulfilled in what I'm doing without feeling overwhelmed by it. 
Um, I don't want it to take over my life. And also being able to to support my family, um, not just financially, but but to to be there. You know, I've I've got two young children, so being there for them, whatever they want to do. You know, like there's nothing worse than it being a lovely sunny day and my daughter saying, oh, let's go to the park. And you're going, well, I can't. I've got to do this. You know, just being able to to take that time whenever you need it um, for me is is the perfect work life balance. Really nice. I love this. Thank you so much. I can't believe we're already approaching the end of today's episode. It's been wonderful. I've loved all these comparisons between when you were a pilot and having your own business. And I am going to keep it in mind every day, but having my own business is harder than flying a plane. Absolutely. <laughs> I'll be like really empowering. Thank you for being on the show, Paul. No, my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Focus B Show. We would love to hear your feedback. Let us know in a review how this episode inspired you. Keep buzzing.